Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here today. Uh, welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. Today's a special day. It's a, a, a fun day for me after a, uh, a tough week of uh, preparing to respond to these questions that, that you all submitted over the past couple weeks. Uh, uh, but it's a fun day for me as I get to uh, finally share some of this. So uh, we've, uh, this last two weeks, we have been in this series called Overflow, where we've really been uh, taking a look at uh, the Bible's call uh, for us uh, and our special role as stewards, stewards of all that God has entrusted to us. And, and really kind of the, the, the biblical foundation of that is just this belief that, that God is the creator, the owner of all things, and that God has entrusted us um, to steward that, uh, to steward it with his values in his name for his glory. And and when we do that wisely and manage well what God has entrusted to us, uh, then we not only live in the overflow of God's blessing, but we live as an overflow of God's blessing to the world around us. In the last two weeks, I asked you to submit some questions that related to this uh, topic of, of biblical stewardship. And I received several, along with uh, several comments um, of of picture or two, uh, and and a few questions that didn't relate to stewardship. But hey, you made good use of the paper provided you. Uh, but since these these questions are are so so good, uh, I want to give every moment uh, that I have to uh, to teach today to 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 respond uh, to these questions. And I'm going to start. Uh, with, and this might feel a little bit different. You don't have message notes today because they, they kind of meander around. The questions, I tried to create as best a flow as I could, but this might feel like 12 short sermons uh, or, or something like that as opposed to one uh, coherent one that all fits together. But, but uh, I'm try, trying to make that all fit. But uh, uh, the, the first question that I read, I thought, I don't even know what this means. Uh, and, and then I quickly realized, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, it was a question related to a story that I told two weeks ago. I told the story about my friend from high school, uh, Corey, who uh, hosted a party at his house when his parents were out of town and then the place got trashed and uh, he was a poor steward uh, while the lord of, of the homestead was away older sister in college. And so uh, the question was, how long was Corey grounded? <laughs> and if memory serves me well, which it, it may or may not, I'm not sure, but I, I think he was grounded for a couple of weeks. Uh, he was grounded from going out. But if you remember, his place was the hangout place for all of our friends, so his parents still let us come to their house and hang out with Corey. Uh, his mom was so, so sweet, but a total pushover. Like, I would have been grounded for life. Uh, and maybe that's why my house wasn't the place where people gathered and hung out. But, uh, but on to the several questions relating to uh, our overarching theme of stewardship. Uh, th this person asked, how am I supposed... How am I, uh, boy, I'm, I'm clicking something here. Let me, uh, let me work that. How, how am I supposed to pray as a steward? Uh, and then the person goes on to, to write that I, I feel like prayers, uh, my prayers are selfish. Uh, they're self-serving in nature. Uh, so, so they concluded, I want to be a good steward, but how do I do that unselfishly? Um, uh, let me just first say, what, if, if this is... Woo! We're going on there. Maybe I'll stand. Maybe that—that's the the variable here that's different. Maybe not. Hey, let's just uh, let's let's just change this one. Can we do that, Alex? 
Steve, you're going to have to bump this up again. Um, first of all, let, let me just say, if God has you in this place uh, to uh, of asking, hey, how can I be less selfish and how, how can I how can I pray and be as good a steward as I possibly can be, then then God's got you in the place where He wants you. You know, the the, the place of of really an openness to. Uh, recognizing that that you're usually driven by by selfish desires and and when when you're at a place like that uh, God can open up your heart to be more God focused and more others focused so so God's got you in a good place if you're asking uh, a question like this and and uh, how, how should you pray then uh, well I think it's we can just follow Jesus advice to all of his followers about how should you pray and uh, I'll just turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses uh, 6 or 9 through 13. Uh, just listen to this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. You're probably familiar with it, but listen to the balance here of, of uh, honoring God and really desiring what God wants, but also asking for what we need. Um, Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, you, you, you are the Lord, God. It, it's, it's your glory that I have in mind. It's, this isn't about me. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, God, I desire to know your will. You, you are my Lord. I want what you want. And oh, I, I have some needs too. Here, let me share these. God, uh, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, I think that's a great way to pray as a steward. Uh, just pray the prayer that, that Jesus taught us to pray. And, and with that in mind, it's, it's not uh, nearly as self-serving as it sounds like uh, some of your prayers, uh, at least this person asking this question, uh, may feel about your prayers. Start, start praying this prayer. Now, uh, what does unselfish stewardship look like practically? That's what a, another person wrote uh, and asked. Uh, and and maybe, maybe you'll get some ideas about how that, that looks practically, uh, depending on a, whatever particular area of stewardship you're considering. And we'll, we'll get to some of that in some of the other questions. Uh, these next two questions uh, really have similar answers, and are uh, really the answers are an invitation to... Uh, to be on this ongoing journey with Jesus, which is uh, our mission as a church, to invite people onto that uh, ongoing journey with Jesus. Uh, here, here's the first of the two questions. Um, this person states, uh, we live in a broken world. Uh, something I think I, I've said a handful of times. I believe it if I didn't say it. Uh, how do we take responsibility? Uh, that's a fantastic question. Uh, I, I think uh, the way that we take responsibility uh, practically is by growing as a steward. By, by doing our best to, to surrender ourselves to this role as, as God's steward, to first recognize where it is that we've fallen short, uh, not let that paralyze us, but, but to turn from that, to repent, to change our direction, change our ways, and, and then do everything that we can to steward what God has entrusted to us, uh, uh, both individually and corporately, as, as a body of Christ uh, with, with God's kingdom values in mind. But, but uh, somebody asked here, what does good stewardship look like practically? Well, good stewardship is, is growing 
in, in your stewardship. Growing in your stewardship is, is kind of synonymous with uh, growing as, as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, I, I, really, I really think they, they, they're the same thing. Uh, being a disciple is being a steward, and, and being a steward for Jesus is being a, a disciple. So what does that look like? Well, uh, here in our church, we've tried to describe what it looks like. Uh, at Troy United Methodist Church, our, our mission is to invite people on this journey with Jesus. So what does this journey with Jesus look like? Well, uh, we want to help people connect to God and to one another in community. We want to help people grow into being a wholehearted follower of Jesus. We, we also uh, want you to, to uh, begin to serve with your God-given gifts and passions and share God's love in our immediate region, but also uh, throughout the, the world, uh, all the while worshiping God in everything that we say and we do. That, that, that's what this journey of Jesus looks like. And when, when, and when you're connecting and growing and serving and, and sharing and worshiping on this journey with Jesus, then, then you'll grow as a disciple. It, you'll grow as a steward. And, and that looks a little bit different. Uh, practically speaking, it looks different depending on what area of stewardship you're, you're specifically talking about. And we'll get to some of those areas in a bit. Uh, but, but first, here, here's another question. I thought this was a good one. Um, is being a steward of the Lord always contrary to our world we live in? Yes, this world is wicked in many ways, but also wonderful in many ways. And, and no, no, God doesn't. Uh, following God and God's values don't always conflict with the values of the world around us. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, but it might be helpful here to have just kind of a, a basic understanding of a Christian worldview. Uh, here's a, a nutshell version. Um, all, all people, everybody who ever walked this earth, everybody who walks the earth now, was created in the image of God. Uh, and inherently then has dignity and worth. I, I liken it to God's thumbprint is on every single person in this world. Um, However, uh, we, we are, are broken uh, because of our sin, our desire to be our own Lord rather than to live under God's authority in our lives. Uh, God's good image in us is marred. It's distorted. and it, it, It's broken in many ways. Now, not only that, but, but uh, because of our sin and our desire to be our own Lords, our, our relationship with all of creation, our relationship with each other, is, is broken too um, because of sin. In fact, because of sin, God's image in us, scripturally speaking, is totally destroyed. It's nothing left of God's image in humanity apart from God's grace. Now, uh, God's, God's grace uh, is poured out on all people in some ways. Uh, everybody, uh, God has... Uh, through his grace, restored part of his image in, in every person in this world. John Wesley described this as prevenient grace, uh, a grace that, that goes before we're even aware uh, of God's presence in our lives. People are born into a broken world, into brokenness, but also born into some grace that restores some of God's image in our lives. Uh, that's what allows people people who, who aren't surrendered to Christ, who aren't God followers, that, that's what allows people to reflect some good characteristics, some good godly characteristics in their lives and to do good, to be, have the capacity to love and, and other things like that long before 
They're even aware of God's grace in their lives. Uh, that's why all cultures around the world have some redeeming qualities, uh, even if they're not Christian cultures, uh, and, and uh, as if there was such a perfect thing as a Christian culture, there isn't. Uh, all, all cultures have some redeeming qualities of God. So uh, it's God's desire that, that his image be fully restored in, in all people's lives. That, that, that's, that's the goal that God has, is that the image of Christ would be fully restored in us. And that process begins by God's pouring out of his provenient grace into our lives. Uh, but it continues as we choose to follow Jesus and we receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit in our lives that begins transforming us from the inside out and, and re- begins to restore the image of Christ into our lives. And a part of our responsibility then as Christ followers is to discern where the values of the world around us are aligned with the values of God's kingdom and where the values of our culture around us is not aligned with God's kingdom values and where it fits and where it doesn't. How how do you know? How do you discern? Uh, Well, um, in short, I I just refer you back to a message I I shared on um, New Year's Eve uh, which was all about how to discern God's will. And in short, uh, it, the foundation is, is God's word, but it involves a prayer and godly counsel, and um, uh, God oftentimes speaks through circumstances and through, uh, through our hearts. Uh, John Wesley and the Methodist, um, uh, United Methodists today say, uh, you know, scripture is, can be helped interpreted by tradition and, and reason and experience. That's another way of saying it. Uh, but, but that's a, a great question. So no, uh, the world, uh, the world uh, following Jesus doesn't always contradict and go against the grain of the world. Sometimes it lines up, sometimes it doesn't. Now, uh, now we're into a series of questions about uh, particular areas of stewardship. And the first one that people were curious about, I got a couple questions related to this. Uh, someone says, can you speak to the stewardship role for us as parents? What should we do to best manage those lives which we have been entrusted? Ah, that's good stuff. Uh, I ask myself this all the time. Uh, I, I think before anything else, uh, we, uh, those of us who are parents, uh, particularly those of us who have children who are still at home, we have to resolve in our hearts uh, the number one job that we have. Uh, the number one job we have as Christ-following parents is to raise our kids intentionally to love God and to love others. That, that is your number one priority as parents. It's my number one priority as a parent. Uh, that, that we would do everything that we possibly can to have our kids uh, fall in love with Jesus, uh, to know what it means to be his disciple, and then to live their young lives as his followers. Uh, it means training them up in God's word. It means training them uh, how to pray. Uh, it means training them, uh, help, help them know what it means to be surrendered to Jesus, uh, where, where he's their Lord. It means helping them to learn how to, to share and articulate their faith and much, much more. And yes, uh, being active in the church is important, uh, but parents, you, you can't leave it up to the church alone. Uh, you just can't. Uh, you add up the, the time that they spend in community with others in the church uh, versus the time they spend in community with you. 
Uh, and it's the time they're spent at church and in church communities that drop in the bucket compared to how much time they're observing you and the way you live your life. Um, so do not leave this up to the church. Take uh, responsibility yourself um, to, to train them up in the ways of God. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of great resources out there, but when I first read this question, this book immediately came to my mind. I pulled it off my shelf and I started thumbing through and I said, oh, this is amazing stuff. I haven't read it in several years, so I committed to reading it now that my kids are a little bit older and it'll apply in different ways, but it's called Revolutionary Parenting. Uh, and it's by George Barna, uh, a fantastic book that just uh, gives some principles for how to do what, what we just did. And it's, it's uh, research-based, so it's based on, on kids' uh, families that, uh, that, that raised kids to be what they call spiritual champions and what they did. Uh, now, the, the, the news here is that you need to hear is you can do everything perfectly and, and your kids still have their own choice uh, whether to follow Jesus or not once, once they leave your home. And, and so uh, just, know, just know that, that there is no fail-safe way here. Uh, your kids have a will of their own. Uh, wow, I almost said praise God, but I don't know if I, <laughs> if I like that so much. Uh, but but uh, number one goal, most important place to start, number one goal, know uh, that you are called to lead them to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like we just sang, that is your number one priority. I pray that for my kids and with my kids regularly, that their hearts would grow more in love with Jesus and more in love uh, to, to be with the capacity to love others. Uh, there is also a, an email uh, request uh, to me about uh, asking if I, would astre- uh, if I would address stewardship of the earth. And I was so glad that I received a message about that. It wasn't in any of the written ones, but, uh, but I was glad that somebody brought it up. Um, I, I, I like to call it what many people call it, uh, creation care, uh, care for creation. And, and we are called to be stewards of God's creation. I mean, that, that's the biblical mandate from the very first chapter of, of the Bible. God has entrusted the, the earth to us. And oftentimes throughout history and in our own choices today, including, including my own choices, we, we've done a poor job of that. Uh, we, we are certainly allowed to enjoy the fruit of the earth, but oftentimes we have exploited the planet uh, for profit and greed and and uh, oftentimes we support practices like that without even knowing it. And so um, that not only hurts creation, but, but oftentimes uh, I found that it hurts the poorest peoples in, in the world who really depend on the earth in ways uh, maybe that we're not aware. Uh, and so, so this, is, this is significant. It's not only caring for creation, but it's, it's caring for our neighbor uh, as well and for future generations as our neighbor. Uh, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter eight uh, that, that the earth itself waits in eager expectation for God's people to experience salvation so that, uh, so that God's children can reclaim their role as, as stewards and, and ultimately so that the creation itself can be liberated from the bondage that it is in and the decay that it experiences because of our poor choices. Um, and, and so the, the earth is waiting in eager expectation uh, for us to get it right. <laughs> and so, so there's so much more to creation care, but I at least wanted us to consider that that is a significant part of our role as stewards, is to care for creation. What makes it difficult is people disagree on, on how, how to do that best, and, and I'm not gonna try to respond about how to do that, but there are 
do something. You know, <laughs> uh, don't, don't neglect that as a responsibility. Uh, but here's uh, another area of stewardship. Uh, stewardship of, of time and volunteering. This person asked, how do I decide what I should volunteer for? I don't live in Troy. <laughs> and I say, hey, great, uh, you're not alone. Uh, 50% of our members and attenders don't live in Troy. So uh, it, it is important, though, to steward your spiritual gifts and talents that God has entrusted uh, you with to use them to, to build up, as the Bible says, the body of Christ, the church, uh, for sharing the love of God with the world. And, and here's just an invitation uh, regarding serving that I, I wanna make sure that you're aware of. You, you get this uh, bulletin insert, and there's a serve section there. Uh, every week and in every newsletter, there are some areas of service that are highlighted that are immediate areas of need that you could step into, uh, regardless of whether you live in Troy or not. Uh, so there, that's, that's a, a, uh, those are ways that you can serve. There's also a share section. So if you're thinking about serving outside of the church, there are ways uh, in there too, which, which change periodically. So we try to offer a variety of opportunities. Uh, but also I, I would invite you to consider um, uh, taking the ministry placement class that we're offering next month. Um, uh, beginning March 8th, it's three Thursday evenings in a row. And really this in this class, uh, you will uh, discover your spiritual gifts if you haven't already. Uh, you'll uh, learn more about your personality and, and, and invited to consider what your passions are. And, and then based on your availability, our, our staff will uh, work very diligently to help you find the right fit for an opportunity to serve uh, in a way to build up the body of Christ. And, and I would uh, just a uh, short answer say though, find what you're passionate about uh, know what you're gifted for and where there's a need, and then jump in. And, and if it's not a good fit, you find it's not a good fit, then say, hey, this isn't a good fit, and try something else. Uh, but don't, don't sit back on the sidelines. Uh, being uh, Serving is an important part of this journey with Jesus, uh, we believe. Uh, someone asked about stewardship within our church, uh, particularly uh, of uh, stewarding our guests. And if you're a guest here today, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, we want to steward how we welcome you. Um, this person asked, hey, uh, uh, how can we be a more friendly church? Uh, well, this is what I found uh, as being a relatively new person to the church myself here. It's been uh, seven and a half months. I found this church to be filled with extremely welcoming people. Uh, praise God. I, I think everybody that I've talked to has expressed that, hey, the people here are, are really friendly. Uh, I have found at times, though, that some of the systems in, in our church uh, could be improved to help our first-time guests feel even more welcome. Uh, thus, uh, this past month, we've uh, created a fledgling uh, welcome team that will be, um, their, one of their first objectives is really to help create a welcome center area at each of our main entrance points, upstairs and downstairs, so that if you're a first-time guest, you can come and know exactly where to go to, to know where to go. Uh, so somebody's there to welcome you and, and, and show you the ropes and sh show you where the kids' ministry is and, and just someone who's, who's set aside in an area to find information that, that would be helpful to you to help you feel welcome. Uh, so that's something that we're doing right now. And if you're passionate about that, if you're interested, I'd love to connect you uh, with that very, very uh, beginning team. It's just the foundational stages right now. Uh, but uh, we'd love to help you get connected there. Also, uh, talking about ways that we can each be more welcoming. 
is a main theme, a major theme in our next message series starting in a couple of weeks called Red Carpet. Uh, we're going to have a red carpet Easter around here. We're going to roll out the red carpet uh, for, for you, but also for those who aren't yet a part of our church on Easter. So, so they'll, uh, you'll learn a little bit more about hospitality in the coming weeks. How, how about uh, stewardship of self? Uh, here's the question. Are we not supposed to look out after ourselves in order to carry out our blessing to others? Uh, this is a, a wonderful question. Short answer, yes and no. Uh, I, I'm just looking, looking to Jesus here. Uh, Jesus, Jesus certainly taught us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Implicit in that is that we would love ourselves, that we would care for ourselves. Uh, but Jesus also, what, what else did he say? He said, you're to lay down your life for others. Whoa, that's, okay, how do I do both? <laughs> that, that, it can be a hard balance to find in life, uh, especially with all the demands and, and people in your life that you may feel called to lay down your life for. Uh, that's a very hard balance. Um, and, and my only answer here is, well, let's look to Jesus. Uh, how did Jesus care for himself? Um, I, I see Jesus really caring for himself every time that he retreated to a quiet place to be alone with God. Uh, Jesus cultivated a deep personal intimacy with God the Father. And, and if you aren't doing that, then the truth is you don't have a whole lot spiritually to give others. If you are not intimately connected with God the Father, uh, Jesus elsewhere described it as connected to the vine. When you're not connected to the vine, you can't bear fruit. And so that is the primary place where you need to care for yourself. And as you develop that intimacy with God, uh, just speaking with, you will hear God's voice. You, you will be able to discern in the other ways that I talked about when and where and how Jesus wants you to lay down your life for others because that is his call. Um, and so it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a yes and no proposition. But if, if you are not making time to care for your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and coming to worship is a part of that. Uh, but if you're not doing that consistently and you are an empty tank, you don't have anything else to give others. And so deal with that first. Uh, Jesus, follow Jesus' lead. That's what he did. Uh, hey, from a financial standpoint, here's a similar question. Uh, somebody asked, what, where is the line between being wise by planning for the future and being greedy by not giving it all away? Uh, once again, it's kind of this balance of, of pouring it all out versus being wise to, to plan for the future uh, so that you have something to give. And there, there are several ways I could answer this, but um, uh, I want to share uh, something uh, called a, a money map, which is... Uh, put out by Crown Financial Ministries, uh, which is very similar to Dave Ramsey's teaching. Uh, Dave Ramsey is a class that we're, we're offering starting next week, uh, Financial Peace University. But uh, cr this money map, uh, and they're both Christian-based financial ministries, which you uh, should be aware of. Uh, but your first step, according to the money map, is to, to set aside uh, at least $1,000 as an emergency fund for when the surprise thing comes up. Uh, if, you, if you don't have that, then you're not uh, you're not in a position to, to give uh, if, if you don't have a little something there for the unexpected emergencies. They suggest starting with $1,000 and then over time build that up to three to six months worth of, of living expenses in case of a job loss or other unexpected emergencies. And then, and then you can balance 
uh, other savings with increased giving. Uh, let, let, me, let me offer this as a suggestion. If you're kind of at a point of just beginning uh, uh, biblical financial principles, um, there, there's a, a rule of thumb plan that I share with people regularly uh, that's based on uh, biblical principles. And uh, it's been called the 10-10-80 plan. Um, the first 10 is the, what, 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 how this works is when you receive income, whatever that income is from, the, the first 10%, uh, it goes back to God. Uh, it's, it's a tithe. Uh, that's what 10%, uh, what the word tithe comes from is a tenth. Uh, giving God your first fruits. And I'll answer more about some questions on that in a bit. But then the next 10%, after you write the check to God, uh, you write a check to yourself. Uh, you, you save uh, for the future. This could be for retirement. Uh, this, this could be, uh, if you don't have those other emergency funds built up yet, to, to do that first or, or balance between retirement and these other savings uh, funds. The, the Bible tells us it's wise to save. Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. The foolish devour all that they have. Saving is important. Now that last chunk, that last 80% is left over for your living expenses, uh, housing, food, a debt repayment, entertainment, etc. Of course, uh, remember you don't have to live on all of that 80%. If you can have all of your basic needs met and maybe a, a few uh, wants, uh, reasonable wants uh, on 60%, then you've got an extra 20% that you can, can uh, do a more savings, more aggressive saving for or, or being generous when, when God leads you to be generous beyond the 10% that you started with him. Um, and I did receive a few other questions related to the practices of biblical money management, particularly giving. Um, and uh, I'll share these now. But, but the first was asked in multiple ways. Um, this is how I summarized it. I hope this captures uh, how you asked it. Is money the only way to include Jesus and his church in my generosity? Or are gifts of time and prayer equally important? Oh, I love this question. Um, no, yes, and yes. No, money is not the only way to be generous and, and to give. Uh, but it is a key way to be generous and give. And, and it, it shouldn't be neglected. Uh, when it comes to generosity, it should never be an either or. It should always be a both and, right? Re remember, Jesus gave everything for us. And, and in turn, uh, we are, are called to give everything back to him. So if you find that there's an area in your life where just your heart, there's some resistance, where you feel reluctant to give, whether that's of your time or your prayers or finances or, or whatever else, other resources, um, that, that's probably more of an indicator of some areas of your heart that God wants to grow you in than it is an indicator of what's most important. It's all important. Uh, I, I love the line in the song that we're gonna close with today from uh, The Wondrous Cross. The line goes, we're the whole realm of nature mine. That'd be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Jesus gave everything for us, and the only adequate response is to surrender all of ourselves back to him. Um, that includes time, prayers, money, and the like. Here's another set of giving questions, though. 
uh, is, is tithing uh, only when you give to the official church, or does that include uh, when you give to a charity organization working in the name of Christ, or another charity organization? Uh, and a somewhat related question, does the role of tithing change now that the government taxes us in order to care for our neighbors? These are great questions, uh, and, and I'm, I'm glad you asked. First, uh, scripturally speaking, tithing is only tithing if it's 10%. That's where the word comes from. Tithe is, is 10%. Uh, uh, anything beyond 10% uh, scripturally is called a free will offering. Anything less than that is akin to a donation. That's, that's just kind of scripturally speaking uh, the language. Now, the, the Bible really doesn't directly respond to this question, uh, but, uh, but there is some background information that, that could help you in interpreting uh, and applying what the tithe is about in today's day and age. Harkening uh, back to the Old Testament where the tithe is, is described in depth, there are actually three tithes. Have you heard this before? It's not just a tithe. There, there are actually three tithes, and, and they're described in, in the scriptures. The most commonly understood one is the 10% that supports the priests who served the people uh, on, uh, and, and served God on behalf of the people. They were the mouthpiece of, of God to the people and, and the mouthpiece of the people to God. They served on the people's behalf. They, these were uh, called the Levites. It was a tribe of Israel set aside for this particular purpose. They were appointed by God for this and they had no provision for themselves. God did not give them land like he entrusted land to all the others. So they had no way of providing for themselves, thus the tithe to help support their work and serving the people that way. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 18. Uh, then there was another 10% tithe to support the variety of special worship celebrations that, that their worshiping community would hold. And uh, everybody, everybody who's a part of the worshiping community would benefit from these tithes. And this was, uh, you can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and chapter 14. And then every three years, there was another tithe taken. And this tithe was specifically, uh, went to supporting the poor among the people. And, and so if you divide that by, you can read about that one in Deuteronomy chapter 14 and 26. Uh, but th those three tithes, if you divide that tithe that's taken every three years into three for an average year, uh, those three put together would be 23.3% of one's income uh, in, in multiple different tithes. Now, so when considering the helping the poor question, like don't our taxes uh, to the government do that now? Uh, well, well, that's, uh, it's not a direct equivalent to the entire tithe of the Old Testament because you have to remember there were two other tithes that had different purposes um, in the Old Testament. Uh, those to helping to support those who served uh, 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 the people on God's behalf and, and also for their shared worship celebrations. Uh, but also in the New Testament, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, in, in that uh, chapter, Paul talks about and teaches that those who are laborers for God on your behalf, uh, in other words, church employees, that they, uh, that they deserve to be compensated for the way that they equip and build up uh, the, the body of Christ, the church. Uh, therefore, I think it's at least fair to assume that at, at the very least, uh, a healthy chunk of your tithe uh, should go to the support of the local church of which you are a part and you are benefiting from spiritually, you and, and your family are. Um, 
and although I, I personally believe and practice that 100% of our tithe uh, goes to the work of God through uh, our local church here, um, and then free will offerings beyond that uh, for other church offerings and other charities and organizations and missionaries and folks that we uh, want to support and believe in. Um, now, there was one other financially related question, and actually it was a comment, but I, I didn't want to ignore this because, uh, because I, I know that, that uh, some of you may have felt this too. Uh, this person wrote, I am a bit offended by feeling pressured about uh, the amount of money we are expected to give. We give what we can. I feel like it's all that's important in the sermon, bulletin, and letters in the mail. Um, you know, I, I fully realize that every time I, I teach and open up God's word and talk about uh, money and possessions and giving and, and saving and generosity and the like, every time I do that, I, I run a risk of feeding into the perception that many have that the church is just all about your money. I get that. I, uh, believe me, I, I get that. I, I know that's a risk. And it's a tension that I, I try my absolute best to navigate with grace. Um, and, and I don't do that lightly. It, it's not my desire that anybody feel offended, uh, but I understand. But, but I, you need to know why I risk it, what, what, why I'm willing to go there and other tense places at times. Uh, I'm willing to go there because, you know what, Jesus taught about money and possessions more than anything else in, in the Bible, out, except for the kingdom of God. Over half of his parables were about money and possessions. And I, and I think why is because he knew the power that money and possessions and stuff can have over our hearts as rival gods to him. And his antidote for those rival gods, it was generosity, was to give, was to let go of stuff and money and possessions for his sake. And, and so when I teach on this, I am really, I'm really trying to follow Jesus' lead and give you as well as myself opportunities over and over again to say yes to Jesus and to his kingdom and no to those rival gods in my life because I feel that pressure too. Um, it, it's, it's about your heart. It's not about money. It's, a, it's an issue of discipleship and having him as Lord of our lives. Now, secondly, I, I, I risk it because I believe in the mission of our church. Um, I, I wanna see you transformed on this journey with Jesus. And, and I want us together to be able to invite more and more people on this journey with Jesus because I believe uh, with my whole heart that journeying with Jesus is the best that life has to offer. And I, I not only put my money where my mouth is on that, but I, I, I've surrendered my entire life to serving God through the local church. Uh, I, I believe it that much and I, I felt that call and so I've, I've surrendered other opportunities in order to, to serve God in this way. And, and, and so I'm not going to apologize for holding up the vision of what our church is all about and, and what we're about and give you every opportunity to sacrifice for the sake of our mission together so that together we can, we can, be, um, we, we can own this ministry together and, and really uh, live it out of, of the very depths of who we are uh, as a church. But please know this, if you are giving all that you can 
and, and you're, you're feeling pressured and not feeling good about this, hey, sit this one out. Sit this one, but, but don't sit it out because you're offended. Um, sit this one out if, if, if you have, out of your intimate relationship with Jesus, if you've had a, a serious talk with him and, and you've wrestled with his word and you are confident that you are where God wants you, then sit this one out. No, no, no judgment whatsoever. Uh, by all means, uh, though, if you feel the tug of God's spirit in your life, not out of guilt, but out of conviction, then by all means, respond. <laughs> no matter how risky, no matter how stretching of your faith it is, respond with a yes to him. Um, and, and if that, if God is stirring you up through a, through a message or, or a letter or something in the bulletin, you know, God, God's spoken in crazier ways than that. So, so respond if the, if the tug of God's spirit is on your heart. Uh, but uh, just be prepared. I will continue to teach about money and possessions, but I confess it probably won't be as much as Jesus did. Um, <laughs> last question, uh, last question. Uh, somebody said, uh, we are taught that God forgives all, but does everyone go to heaven no matter how they lived their life? I saved this question for last because it's one of the reasons why I believe so much in the mission of our church. Does everyone go to heaven no matter how they lived their life? Well, the answer to that is short and sweet, no. At, at least not according to the Bible. Regarding forgiveness, God has made provision for each and every person to enter his kingdom, to be forgiven. But, but the grace of God is, is like a present that's offered to all people. But you have to receive it. And unless you receive it, then... then the scriptures say you don't spend, you're not a part of God's kingdom when you don't receive God's grace. Um, and I desperately want each and every person who's here, who might see this online, that, that, that you know in your life to receive the, the grace of God uh, made possible through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, our entrance into God's kingdom is not uh, about how we lived or how we live presently. Um, it's about the grace we've received. It, it, it's, it's not merit-based. You can't earn it. You only receive it with an open heart. Uh, that, that's the gospel message. And, and uh, when we are on this journey with Jesus together, we experience the gospel. Um, and, and that's all the more reason, I believe, that, that we're to give our all for the mission of the church so that everybody can know and experience that in their lives because it is freeing. It breaks the chains of bondage that says you gotta earn it. It's not about that at all. Well, that's, uh, that, that's all the questions about stewardship uh, that I received. And I, I hope this has been helpful.
but I realized to some degree that each one of these questions could have been an entire message, if not an entire message series. So, uh, so please understand, these are not uh, complete answers. They're just the tip of the iceberg, but if you have some follow-up questions or would like some more scriptural background on any of these, please uh, sh shoot the questions my way. Let's set up a time to talk. I'd, I'd love to help you on this, this journey with Christ. But more than anything else, remember that, that God desires our hearts. Not, not our money or our stuff or our time or our kids. God, God desires our hearts. And when God has our hearts, we'll, we'll release everything else. We'll surrender everything else to him out of gratitude and thanksgiving. Um, and when God has, has it all, um, that's what we'll do. Uh, remember, I don't know if you know the song, uh, I Surrender All. It doesn't go, I surrender 10%. I surrender all, all to thee, my precious Savior, I surrender all. Uh, let, let's pray together. Uh, Lord Almighty, uh, wow, you, you do, you know how difficult it is to raise the white flag, how difficult it is to surrender uh, our entire lives to you, to truly live as your steward and not as our own Lord. God, thank you for not uh, abandoning us. Uh, thank you for your transforming grace. Thank you for your spirit alive and speaking to our hearts, uh, really continually leading us to live out our lives for you. Uh, Lord, would you, would you bind us together and, and continue to give us the vision for what it means to live as your steward in this world and what it means for us as a church? Lord, continually grow us. And, and God, uh, we're the whole realm of nature ours to give, that would be an offering far, far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands our soul, our life, our all. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. The people of God said, amen.